This episode of Behind the Bots is brought to you by Fingertech Robotics, North America's top manufacturer of combat robotics parts. If you're interested in building your first combat robot, check out Fingertech's Viper Kit, which includes everything you need to build a fully functional, competitive ant weight. Fingertech also carries a complete line of wheels, hubs, motors, and other components if you want to build a bot from the ground up. Check them out online at www.fingertechrobotics.com. From the Norwalk Havoc Studios in Norwalk, Connecticut, this is Behind the Bots, the podcast that brings you the stories of the builders behind the bots. I'm Chris. I'm Luke. I'm Lindsay. And I'm Kyle. And today on the podcast, our interview with Glitch Captain Kyle Miller. We'll wrap up the show with this week's installment of Robots Around the World. If you like our show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, CastBox, Player FM, and Podbean. You can follow us on Facebook at Behind the Bots and tell a friend. We really appreciate your support. All right, so before we get into this week's news, Chris and I actually have some of our own news to share. That's not just that we got married, something potentially even more exciting. More exciting than marriage? (laughs) (laughs) Do you want to say it? Uh, I don't know. I have a history of screwing these kind of things up. Ooh. And that's my two cents. (laughs) Is that a pun? My two cents. Oh, I see. I see. Well, a double pun. (laughs) If you can't tell by all of Chris's hissing. Yeah, this this news really just makes my blood run cold. Chris and I have officially joined Team Copperhead at BattleBots for the year 2022. How exciting. Woohoo! I'm glad you guys finally slithered your way to the point. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Um, Yeah, I uh, am still somewhat in disbelief. Um, Extremely excited. Uh, Thank you to Chad New and Lou Quintal and the rest of the team for um embracing us and our uh oddities um which i think hopefully will lend itself very well to this team of uh of competitive goofballs um that i'm uh, i'm really excited to call our new home so uh yeah we'll see you guys in vegas and i think that this means luke we're now mortal enemies so uh sorry even more so than before <laughs> So quick question, guys. Uh, how does one get on to a BattleBots team? What's the what's the story? How did this all come about? All right. So uh, Chad and I are friends on Facebook. We chat sometimes. We talk about uh, pumpkins. We talk about BattleBots. We talk about the podcast. Uh, and, you know, they were looking for some new team members to kind of, uh, you know, fill round out the team, I suppose. Um, and, uh, he asked if we were interested and, you know, we have a background, Chris and I have a background in design 
and um, are able to kind of lend, you know, that aspect to the team. Um, so, and Chris, you know, also has some experience building bots. I have offered to lift, uh, you know, moderately heavy things, nothing too heavy. I'm not that strong, but uh, I can schlep. I can I can move stuff around, so that's really my uh, my offering. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we're we're helping with uh, like image and branding and uh, visual stuff, that kind of thing. And um, yeah, we'll be there in the pits. So uh, you know, just make friends, make friends with builders, and uh, good things will happen. Lindsay has put on her docket to learn uh, quite a bit about both soldering and grinding between now and Vegas. Soldering comes into you know uh, play quite a bit, obviously, as you're putting bots back together, and grinding goes a long way in Vegas in the clubs. So um, <laughs> we're gonna be ready. We're gonna be ready. It's uh, we're 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 looking at the big game. Well, congratulations, you guys. That's awesome. So Chris and Lindsay, you're you're now on Team Copperhead. I am, of course, on Team Pain Train. Um, I believe that Nicole joined uh, Team Witch Doctor. Uh, Kyle, when are you going to get yourself a team? You know, uh, right now I'm on Team Fathering Two Children uh, that are both full time in different things. Um, so I I'm not actively seeking a BattleBots team at this moment. But if they want somebody to uh, you know, not have enough time to commit to anything, then I'd be totally down. If your team out there does not have uh, a designated Kyle, uh, it's really important um, <laughs> for social media presence to have a Kyle. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Yeah, the, the best teams all have a Kyle. That is true. All right. Well, well, Kyle, the moment you join a team, we'll become mortal enemies as well. So I uh, appreciate that. I'm looking forward to it. Time for this week's Combat Robotics news. I have five news items for you today. First up, BattleBots Champions is back in action this week with our fourth qualifying event with bots The Big Dill, Bloodsport, Blade, Kraken, Deadlift, Blacksmith, Switchback, and Lucky fighting in a special one-day tournament. The winner of that tournament will advance to face this week's mini-boss, Scorpios. The episode will air Thursday at 8 p.m. local time on the Discovery Channel or very early Thursday morning on Discovery+. Plus. In case you missed it, we broke a bit of news on this podcast last week after Deep Six Captain Dustin Eswine reported that Battlebox had rejected his team's application for Season 7 of the show over concerns about how much damage the bot was doing to the Battlebox. Dustin later followed up with more information in a post on social media saying that the bot was being involuntarily put on the shelf until someone built an arena strong enough to contain it. On over to the UK, where we learn that Cobot builders Dave Moulds and Sam Smith plan to return to BattleBots in Season 7 as part of their robot's pit crew. Sam and Dave sold Cobalt to Gigabyte Captain John Maladnik and will now join the robotic death company team in the pits. It's still unknown who will drive Cobalt in the as-yet-unannounced Season 7 of BattleBots, as previous driver Matt Maxim has stepped away from the sport. On over to Connecticut, where the builders of Huge this week released plans showing you how to make your very own toy version of their robot for less than $100 materials and controlled by your phone. This project is very cool and comes in either 3D printed or cardboard options. Look for the link on the team's Facebook page. 
And finally, a little bit more personal news. Uh, we heard from Chris and Lindsay about Copperhead. Uh, this is, uh, I guess, news for the four of us. This week, Behind the Bots officially hit 100,000 total downloads, which is just totally mind-boggling. To put that number in perspective, it's like as if the entire population of Fishers, Indiana, yes, famous Fishers, Indiana, downloaded the show and listened to one episode each, which is just incredible. I really want to thank you for tuning into the show and supporting us over the past three years. We're planning to do another big, fun AMA episode in the next couple of weeks after the finale of BattleBots Champions. So stay tuned for that and think about some really weird questions that you might want to ask us. And that's it for this week's news. After the break, our interview with Kyle Miller. This interview is brought to you by MaxAmps and the company's new exclusive line of combat robotics batteries called Max Combat. Max Combat battery packs are built in the U.S. and designed for both durability and performance for combat robotics. Max Combat batteries come with custom wraps, including your team's logo, internal hard skins for extra protection, puncture-resistant wire sleeves, and a custom metal Max box for charging and storage. Check out the Max Combat section at MaxAmps.com. This week on the podcast, we have a very special returning guest, Glitch Captain Kyle Miller. Glitch is arguably the most successful rookie bot in BattleBots history, stretching its career win-loss record to a 7-0 this past week after beating Gruff, Retrograde, and Uppercut. Yeah, you know, just a few uh, cupcake bots, no big deal. Uh, before eviscerating this week's mini-boss, Rotator, we're looking forward to getting into BattleBots Champions in this hour ahead. So welcome back to the show, Kyle. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me again. It's so good to have you, my friend. All right, so let's start with BattleBots Champions. Uh, first off, you face some really tough bots in this bracket. Glitch versus Gruff, Glitch versus Retrograde, Glitch versus Uppercut. And then you had to face Rotator. You were, like, the last time you were on the podcast, you uh, weren't allowed to talk about how well you'd done in the rest of the season, right? You weren't allowed to talk about any of this. You've kept this secret for the better part of a year at this point. <laughs> it's completely ridiculous. Um, how did it feel watching that episode again? Was there anything that happened that made you, that you remembered differently? Was there anything that happened that was a surprise to you? Oh, yeah, totally. So. The builders have cameras in the pits, I guess, of all the of all the matches, and most of them are recorded. The rotator fight wasn't because the the TV screens just cut out, and so that was the only fight we didn't have a recording of. Uh, I thought the match was like two minutes long. They were slowly chipping away at us. Uh, I think I just saw a podcast where Victor said the same thing, uh, where he thought it was longer, and just rewatching it was like, oh wow, that's that was quick. <laughs> it was very quick. It was very quick. So let's go down the fights kind of like uh, piece by piece. So you got to face off against Gruff. Gruff is a control bot. They're highly maneuverable. They're tough as nails. What was your thought going into this? I mean, uh, you know, mobility and um, and like durability are two things that uh, you guys were definitely not wanting to face off against. So what was your thought going into this fight against Gruff? Yeah, so... For this fight, we tried running without magnets at the bottom of our frame because we, they were getting damaged and cracked and getting stuff on them. And so 
we were wondering if that was adding to maneuverability problems and sure. it it was helping so when we took them off it really sucked right from the get-go and we <laughs> we could tell uh and so that was a fight where we were really lucky we got like the first hit on them where the where the drive broke and then instead of them just being able to push us around the entire time it was too barely able to move bots sorry for everyone watching but <laughs> certainly helped us from getting tossed around it was fun watching you uh bend up their forks too that was highly entertaining um all right so you had to face retrograde next that's uh so it's another rookie bot but a very experienced team uh were you feeling confident going into this match i mean at this point it feels like you weren't confident going into any match and all of your interviews made it seem like you were just really surprised every time you won but what were you guys thinking strategy wise going into this how did you how did you feel going into this match i mean i think i think this this one we actually felt okay mostly because we we had two bots ready and that was that was the first time we actually had two bots ready so we're like yeah. okay if we win this uh, even if we take damage, we can move on. Sure. Uh, and we took a lot of damage, that's for sure. <laughs> uh, and luckily, we're able to move on. Uh, I'm guessing that might be a topic we might get into later. No, we can get into that now. Uh, how did you feel like during that judge's decision? Like, what, I know that there's a lot of consternation on the internet about this, but uh, was there consternation back in the pits or was... Where, where was this another situation where everybody was mad at the judges? What was going on with that? Uh, I I never heard anything in the pits. Uh, I'm I'm sure I like it, it was like a it was a pretty it was a very very close fight. So I'm sure. sure that some people thought that it would have been the other way, and some people didn't. Uh, I was relieved. I think when the crowd started chanting glitch, cause I was actually leaning to retrograde, just gut feel in the moment. And that was like the only thing calming my nerves. Okay. It, it passed the eye test for at least a large enough chunk that they're doing that. Uh, doing a chant for you. Yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Looking, being <laughs> able to look back at the match and then look at the judges handbook and get the criteria. I think it makes more sense. I, I personally thought you guys, like, I didn't think there was a lot of controversy to that. Yes, it was a close fight. Retrograde did awesome, but by the rules of BattleBots, you guys totally won. Um, we're at a different competition. Were we at RoboGames? That might be a different situation, but we aren't at RoboGames. We're at BattleBots. Um, all right, so next up, you have to fight literally, like, the atomic bomb that is Uppercut. Uh, if you're talking about, like, two of the most powerful weapons in this particular tournament, it's obviously you 2 um, what was your thought going into this? I mean, obviously they're a highly mobile bot. They're an extremely destructive bot. We've seen them blow somebody up, uh, <laughs> like, you know, recently. What, what was your thought process going into this? We had just taken a bunch of damage from a robot that has two weapons, so significantly smaller spinner. Uh, and so we thought we were going to get absolutely blown apart. Uh, I think sent an interview like the angles of the robots really played out in our favor. They ended up deflecting a lot of shots and uh, even their forks weren't able to get behind the back uh, of the frame, which is like the taller part of the frame. The armor's a bit lower. Uh, and 
Yeah, actually, there, just to be clear for everyone, there's like no armor on the back. It's just the frame wall. Uh, and all the slope stuff is armor. So in the very back, it's taller yeah. and aluminum. Uh, but they still weren't able to get there. Uh, they actually had like one glancing bro- blow that deformed our frame, like which is three quarters inches of aluminum and a quarter inch of like AR-500 steel. They deformed it like a crazy half an inch. Uh, above our wheel so it was like wow luckily didn't affect anything but just insane how much damage they can do with just the glancing blow um yeah that's crazy that it didn't affect anything it seems like just looking at the bot operate that you guys have extremely low tolerances and that that didn't affect your mobility really yeah yeah it was horizontally with everything we have extremely low tolerances but that was like the one part where it's we our armor at the at the very middle of the bot it slopes up, mm-hmm. uh, and we have those vertical plates. Yep. In the very close to the frame rails, we have electronics in there that occupy the full vertical space. So, if they hit closer to the frame rails, they could have potentially squeezed their electronics and blown it up. But they hit farther out uh, above the wheels, and there's no electronics above the wheels. So. So you could cre- yeah, you had like kind of crumple points there basically that could they could warp a little bit and it didn't yeah. affect anything. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, and because of that, yeah, because of that, this year we're planning on just not having anything behind vertical plates at all. Yep. Just all all sloped in the front. Um, now this is a question that I'm asking you, Kyle to Kyle. What was the undisclosed energy drink? I can't answer that. <laughs> We gotta get a sponsorship. <laughs> it, it will be whatever we want it to be. <laughs> this man's thinking ahead, and I respect that. That is awesome. All right, uh, <laughs> fair enough. All right, let's get into the big match, man. You had to go up against Victor Soto and Rotator, most destructive bot. Right, they're a giant nut holder. They are absolute beasts out there. They have beaten legends. They are one of the bots that is in contention for the giant nut every single year. I mean, Florida bot mafia, all of that. You're, you've got to be intimidated. Like what's the thought process going into this fight? What's the strategy going into this fight? I mean, I mean, yet again, we thought we would lose as (laughs) part for the course. Uh, But basically we were thinking about it of, okay, it's going to be pretty similar to the retrograde fight, except this time the wheels are protected. They don't have a lifter that can break, and the weapon's heavier. So, as you can imagine, we based our chances off of that, and the chances were pretty slim. <laughs> yes. Not as slim as you thought. When they... Apparently. <laughs> when they flew apart like that, like, which, by the way... We've seen Rotator take ridiculous hits, right, from other bots. Like, just extremely powerful, high kinetic energy hits. And we have never seen that happen. What happened? Like, how did they split apart like that? Did you talk to Victor afterwards or talk to the team afterwards and figure out what happened with their bot? I I didn't uh, at the event. We just knew that all the books sheared. On, on their plate and it was like okay the plate flew off to the side <laughs> and we hit them vertically what's happening here uh and i haven't i haven't talked to them with it but this is what victor said uh online was that 
they switched their plates to titanium. It used to be aluminum. And before their weapons sometimes would dig into that aluminum and it just like it slide through, it'd be fine. Uh, but we deflected their weapon into the titanium plates that they have now. And given it's so much harder, it just tore everything apart. And then you can see harder, yeah. their weapon cutting through all the batteries falling out. Uh, and the like. Wow. And so it was bending their weapon into their plate or weapon trap or something. So you basically did the uh, the big brother stop hitting yourself thing. Yes. Yes. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. You hit them so hard they damaged themselves. I love that. That is hilarious. Um, all right. So right now you guys are standing at a 7-0 and career record. By the math, you are the most successful rookie bot that has ever gone through the BattleBot system. Uh, <laughs> like... How does that feel? Like, especially at this point, now you know you have to go into this big tournament against ridic- like literal world champions. How does that feel? Like, what is your thought process going into that? Uh, was the bot even close to ready? Did you, like, what was going on? Like, how much time did you have? What, what was going on? It was, it was pretty insane. For, for, the, for the next fight, uh, it, the bot is exactly like how it ended with Rotator. There were, we even had armor pieces that we just got knocked off enough that we didn't have any more spares. So we start the match without uh, some of our armor. Uh, <laughs> I mean, not like not like it matters anyways, because the armor pieces that were like flying off were things that we could only put in like one bolt out of five in because of alignment issues. Uh, but it it makes you feel a little bit weird when you see armor not where it's supposed to be. <laughs> yeah. and i don't know maybe 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 the right move would be just dq ourselves and yeah. <laughs> and and battle us forever we were joking uh before we started recording guys that we were saying uh that that kyle is actually a genius for dqing himself before the end of last season because uh then he got to preserve his perfect record going into this tournament so yes it would be hilarious if you uh if you did that again that would be like the the best uh heel move bad guy move that uh, anybody could possibly do in battle bots i would love that <laughs> all right so we're going to get into some listener questions we're going to start with the questions from our or from the discord server um this is the norwalk havoc robot league discord server check it out it's a lot of fun and kind of ridiculous but it's a good time um all right Let's start with a key question from Sea Dragon Sea Dragon's Roars builder William Marchese. Uh, Marchese. Um, so, what exactly went wrong that led you to dropping out of the main tournament in season six? We covered this during the last episode. Let's just briefly go over it for uh, the fans that are just tuning in today. Okay. All right. So, first thing first, if you go into our website sierraberkeley.org, there's a full, super long breakdown of very detailed. Uh, but quick rundown is for which doctor we saw them putting on forks, and so we thought we would lose anything but a weapon-on-weapon battle. Uh, and on, in order to win those, we need a faster weapon RPM, or we have a better chance of winning them. We need a faster weapon RPM. Mm-hmm. And our weapon was at 130 miles per hour because we did a math mistake. Yep. And so 
We had already great started mistake, working by the on. Way. That was a great mistake, Kyle. <laughs> yes, yes. So we already <laughs> working started working on getting pulleys for our our proper RPM, uh, and we had a second frame with those pulleys set up, but we hadn't finished the electronics yet. And so we had a gamble of do we swap the electronics to the second frame, or do we keep them in the first spot and run it as it has been? And as you can probably guess we we chose to put them in the faster weapon and the faster weapon did not spin up uh got a lot of help from a lot of very kind teams but even after that just when it spin up uh didn't have enough torque and we didn't have our our encoder set up uh so and with the amount of time we have we just we just couldn't fix it and then we ran out of time to swap the electronics back uh for that day and yeah, yeah. Now the lower RPMs did end up helping you a lot during a lot of your matches, just because you were able to get good engagement with it, and obviously those giant throws that we saw. But you were choosing the higher RPM for this upcoming match because, like, what was the the configuration with the bot that you were facing that made you want to do that? It was just they have a similar diameter vertical spinner, and it's outreaching in the front. So just if they have a faster weapon rpm then if we go weapon on a weapon then they're more likely to be the one to hit our weapon uh like hit it from underneath and since they had the forks and we can't drive well we figured only way to win is turning into their weapon makes sense but also cost us pretty severely yeah yeah it was a good it was a good theory it was a good theory but you were trying to solve like a Structural problem essentially with the bot in yes, uh, yeah. a very limited amount of time. Um, all right, so let's go to Shift Cat Drill. Uh, they have two questions. One of them you answered in the last podcast, but we'll go ahead and cover it real quick. What made you come up with that tight V shape that Glitch has? And their second question, and this is the more important one: How do you maintain your sick hairdo? Oh no. Okay, first one, <laughs> I saw that one. I, I, I prepared for this one. Uh, okay, first one was just, we came up with the name Glitch first. Uh, we came up with an extra, so we knew 45 degree wheels was what we were going to do. And that slowly evolved through like five different very ugly shapes until someone at the final version was like, hey, this kind of looks like a stealth bomber. So we added like the back middle point, and that was, that was the end of it. Uh, and then the hairdo is just stress running your hands through your hair like every every five minutes uh, <laughs> you're late for a match uh, or you're going to lose this match because <laughs> this reason uh, there's a different reason every time but it's, there's always a reason it's good though it looks like intentionally unintentional you know what i mean it looks like you're a guy who spends 15 minutes trying to make it look like your hair is messy um so that's great that's awesome uh all right so next question is a related question from alex from northeastern university's combat robotics club who has questions as a fellow robotics club member i suppose um so the glitch looks awesome how much of the wings quote unquote are taken up by robot components as opposed to being cosmetic. Alex also asks, what does combat robotics at Berkeley look like? And what does it look like before glitch? Like what did it look like before you guys got into a heavyweight? Uh, okay. So for the wings, uh, 
it's it's pretty much all filled with electronics. The only thing uh, that doesn't have electronics is like between the armor and the frame, which is mm. I don't know. I guess something comparable might be Valkyrie, who just has the armor is their frame, so there's a little bit of lost space there. But for us, it's within that frame, everything's filled. Uh, yeah. And then combat robotics at Berkeley, uh, it started with glitch. It was, hey guys, want to do battle bots? That's awesome. Are you guys doing other stuff now? Yeah. So so now we're doing other stuff. We uh, we it's like forty. It's forty. Like kids, uh, right now. Uh, so for each, whenever, whenever new people join, we're now making them do 15 pound robots just so they make design choices for themselves, uh, first. And so we had three 15 pound robots for Sacramento bot battles, like a competition in NorCal, yeah. uh, run by my old high school team. And then also, I think we're we're gonna so we're gonna keep doing that, and also a lot of the members now are wanting to do smaller robots themselves. So uh, we're gonna try to start doing that. Maybe have a couple bots at Norwalk potentially. Uh, I was gonna say, yeah, Berkeley at Norwalk. When? Like, what's the what's the thought process there? We want you guys to come. Yeah, it's it's gonna be structured as anyone can design a robot, pitch it to the leads, and then we'll we'll give them the money or the resources to make the robot and then they can go to Norwalk. That would be so cool to have you guys. Oh my gosh. Just drill a bunch of holes in your 15 pound bots to get them down to the two pounds that you need for the 12 or the three pounds you need for the 12 pound. You'll be fine. It'll be great. Um, <laughs> kidding, of course. All right. So we have uh, a related question from Ryan Hunter who runs Harvester. Really cool bot. Really nice guy. Um, as a college team, are there any fun stories of hijinks and late night work between class assignments? Mm, oh, for the for the most part, we were building during summer, uh, so nothing between classes. We did have to work at a frat house for like two weeks because that was the <laughs> only place where we had like we didn't we didn't have any like we're all in small apartments sure yeah you can't make a robot in there so hold on plug the frat which frat was it aqua delt <laughs> all right go aqua delt thank you for supporting combat yeah. robotics thank you guys <laughs> uh, so we, we didn't even like have someone who was like in the frat it was just someone who lived there and they let us work that's awesome there. For like two weeks and then another club let us use their workspace while they were at a competition so luckily we were able to move out uh and yeah now now we're now we rent which was interesting we got robbed you got robbed on your rental i mean you are in you are in berkeley california like what, what did you yes, expect yeah. um that bears. yeah that makes sense um, all right. So the rise of your team is a first time college team that came and had this insane season uh, is obviously the plot of a ragtag college slash sports movie. Uh, have you considered selling it for streaming rights? Is it more in the vein of Animal House or Rudy? These are both movies made decades before you were born. So uh, if you have any questions about them, please ask. I cannot answer that question. I'm sorry. I don't know. <laughs> 
Animal House is a uh, National Lampoon movie about frat life in uh, like uh, crazy frat life in a university. And Rudy is like a movie about an underdog football player. Probably Rudy. I mean, like the story arc is kind of insane. We got the we got the we didn't think we were going to have any fights to or three, you know, and then we have to de- like get we get DQ'd and then we have. <laughs> I, I think great story arc there. Sure, Rudy. Yeah, <laughs> you're five foot nothing. You're a hundred nothing. <laughs> really a speck of athletic ability. <laughs> I'm in there with the best college football athletes. Sorry, I just I had I got to quote Rudy when it comes up. I mean, Rudy is one of the greatest. It is the greatest football movie of all time. Like, period. The end. Um, all right, so. Has your robotics club grown significantly since Glitch being on BattleBots? Like, have uh, have the engineering nerds at Berkeley been like, I got to get in on that action? Yeah. So right now we have applications open for this year, and there are fifty-two people right now, uh, which we cannot support <laughs> uh, <laughs> all of it. So unfortunately. Yeah, there's there's more demand than we have the capabilities of doing, uh, unless we decided to host <laughs> our own event that literally was made up of entirely all Berkeley kids and couldn't couldn't even have space for anyone else. Uh, that's the only. I mean, if you stream that, I would watch. Like that would be okay by me. Lots of people. Unfortunately, you cannot have a hundred people working on room robot. Uh, that gets kind of difficult. <laughs> yeah, I'll bet. I'll bet. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, I'm going to pass you over to my buddy, Chris. It's good talking to you, man. Yeah. Wait, would, would Norwalk be okay with 33 robots from one team? <laughs> yes, actually they would. And we would just be there for another additional three hours for the stream. That's no big deal at Norwalk. We don't have a cap there. Um, so yeah, bring them all. That's fine. Nice. What's the difference between going home at 2 a.m. and 5 a.m.? You know, there's real uh, past 2 a.m. There's no difference, Lindsay. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Diving back into some more listener questions. We have Tom from BB, uh, VBT robotics who asks, what upgrades do you have in mind for glitch before the next competition? Uh, so we have, Quite a bit of upgrades. Number one is we want to be able to drive. I feel like that's a biggie. Uh, so there's like five different components to making the drive work uh, with electrical problems, with encoders, with magnets and our center of mass and suspension. And so that's all in the drive. A uh, couple upgrades to how we're mounting our armor, uh, shock mounting it, and also making it so it doesn't take an hour to take on and off and really annoy production. Sorry. Sorry, guys. Uh, and we're going to up the weapon speed a tiny bit. Theoretically. We haven't tested it. But in between what we were trying to do last year and what actually worked last year. All right. Got some questions here from uh, Ryder Lee Angle, who first asks, uh, do you plan on, do you plan on getting any wheels and changing something with them to improve mobility, or are you going to switch to more traditional wheels or possibly mechanism wheels 
if you want to switch things up while still being able to strafe. Mm-hmm. We are going with OmniWheels again uh, for our own suffering, uh, I guess. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know why we're doing it, but we still are. Uh, but we've, we've made a bunch of upgrades to try to hopefully make it work. And if it doesn't, so, sorry, everyone, you might have to see some struggling again, but hopefully it does. And it'd be really awesome to see if it does. Uh, when in doubt, double down. That's my philosophy. What made you decide on such an ambitious design for a bot like Glitch for your first heavyweight? Uh, we just we just wanted to get in. Because uh, BattleBots field, is, it was very competitive. It was all the... At that point, it was we we thought that they all the international teams would be able to come, uh, and so it's it was a much it was a huge clump of bots returning, uh, plus all the incumbent bots from the season before, uh, and so we thought we'd need something very very fancy to get in, uh, especially with a vertical feeder spinner that was pretty much all we were trying to do, uh, and yeah, the way to do that we saw was strafing we had leds that didn't work and vision that also didn't work so it was actually way more complex than we could even do with the time frame that we had but i guess the base design was luckily good enough now uh rider liangle goes on uh to ask their third question and they start by a preface by saying this might be more of a physics question but Glitch has a large, hard-hitting egg beater, but despite how hard it is, it doesn't suffer the issues with gyro when it turns so that many other vertical spinners uh, seem to encounter. Is that due to the wide body, the lower tip speed, the magnets, or a combination of the three? All right, so I think combination of the three. Uh, Wide body is definitely a huge one. It's it's directly proportional, so you have half half the width. Twice as, like, twice as likely to gyro. Not likely, but twice as much force needed to gyro. Uh, obviously, uh, there's a in a weapon. There's a difference between energy and momentum, uh, and energy is what impacts gyro. And even though we had a big heavy beater, that RPM being lower, uh, mean that we means that we had like pretty low energy, uh, and so we were. That also helps with the gyro uh, and just. Magnets, yay magnets. Until until non yay magnets. Right, right. Yeah, you might not rely on them as heavily at at Norwalk if you do venture over. Yes. Uh, I got two questions here from Crotalita Dator. <laughs> yes, that is a listener, Crotalita Dator. Uh, the first question is: Were you able to practice driving glitch before you came to the tournament? We drove Glitch once. It was terrible, and we did not drive it again. It was like four days before we left, and we didn't have the electronics working properly. And uh, your, your your build process sounds a lot like mine, except somehow you get a bot that's seven and zero, and I am like over four hundred and twenty-seven. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. So we had. Well, one, the design was a little bit late, and then we had extra shipping delays with the frame. So because it's the one big miss, like massive billet body, all of the electronics had to be like custom wire length to the frame. And 
that meant we had to wait until the frame came to do anything with our electronics. And also just, we can't, I mean, we probably should have just gotten like a 2D plate to test the drive on, but we didn't do that. We waited on the frame to come to make everything. And that was a big no-no and made everything super rushed at the end. And so, yeah, we, we did not test the weapon at all. And we did one very short dry test. Crotalitator uh, goes on to ask, why is the robot name Glitch? Is it a, is Glitch just a snappy name for what happens when Glitter gets in your bot and causes things to go haywire? It would be a good name after the matches. If we could retroactively name it, it would be perfect to name a Glitch. But we did not do that. We went into a random name generator and clicked and clicked and clicked. And Glitch sounded cool. So we went with Glitch. Worked for Childish Gambino. Yeah, that's true. All right. Uh, regular person named Dylan, who runs <laughs> Bot Sundance, asks, what have you learned from your previous bots, RG Beater and Washing Machine? What led you to be able to go so ambitious with Glitch? Uh, well, learn that you don't need a drive to work super well. Uh, it's, I guess it's been kind of a trend to have a big beater and the drive not working. Uh, and. I don't know. I I think it's a lot of people make a mistake of going straight into the 250 with an application and then uh, they just get rejected because that's a big part of getting in and just learning all these little small things like and just more being around the community or at least absorbing a lot of like small tidbits from everyone on uh, how how their robots work, how they make things reliable and not using FRC components for battle bots. I just learned that one the hard way too. Do you want your uh, entire bot to reprogram itself just because you hit reverse? Well, make sure that you invest in RC components. Um, all right. Uh, so the next question I have uh, is from University of Florida student Brooke Silber, who runs Mechanical Advantage. And Brooke asks... What do you think are some things that go into making your weapon so reliable? I mean, I don't know if it was reliable. I mean, in the rotator fight, it, it didn't it didn't spin up at the beginning. But I mean, other than that, we just put two motors on there. Uh, uncertain if both motors were working or if one motor was working. We actually had, we made a custom shaft. So we had these two motors spinning on the same shaft. And it was supposed to be with encoders. So without encoders, it's just brushless motors trying to guess the timing of the motors. And because they were like fighting each other to find this timing, it was it was not ideal. Uh, it was very much not ideal. So I don't actually one point, I think we saw sparks. The motors were making sparks uh, inside the robot. So to be honest, I don't know. It it just kept on spinning, except for the beginning of the rotator fight, and we have no idea why, and we have completely changed how we're mounting the motors to make it normal, uh, and not and not have sparks generating on the inside of the robot. Uh, let me let me just dive into the um, 
uh, your 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 weapon rig now a little bit deeper. So you have you have two motors that are essentially powering this egg beater drum, uh, and are they are they both um, these custom shafts that you had made? Are they both like affixed to it? Is there's no way for a slip? Like there's not like slip differential or anything. They're both just they're both on there. Yep, exactly. <laughs> yes, they are both on there. Uh, it's the it was the it's the same motors that both Endgame and Minotaur use. Uh, but yeah, they were they were both locked on there, and the set screws got loose. So I think maybe just like one of the motors just like followed the nut the other one just because it had to. It, it like I think yeah I think it, it just had to and then it just like got, got torn loose so it had that that play that if it w- had the encoders it wouldn't have needed but since it didn't have the encoders it did need and then yeah we I think we might have ended up been running with like one motor basically and that's that's why we couldn't spin up with the faster speed because uh, because for context the faster speed would be about the same energy as Minotaur's drum so. It clear the motors are clearly capable of doing that. It's just our setup was not ideal. And then worst case scenario, you've at least somehow built in a self destruct mechanism into the bot. Yay! <laughs> yeah, I, I can't remember. I don't even know if we've ended up fixing the sparks. I think it just we just put the top lid on and just hoped it wouldn't cause any explosions. All right. Uh... Moving on, I got two questions here from Miles Sim, who runs Komodo, which is one of my all-time favorite bots. What was your favorite fight from either the regular season or champions? I mean, Rotator. Like, that hit. Yeah. Gotta beat that one. Uh, uh, there's there's some, some good fights coming up, too, that I think are very exciting. And obviously can't say what they are, but uh, to be clear, fights from other teams. Uh, and I'll be really excited to see those with the full camera quality. Is there a bot glitch hasn't fought yet that you would like to have a shot at? Ooh. The answer for this one has to be Endgame. Not from a, well, we, we want to take them down, but just since I think it would be really fun to get completely trashed. Uh, and... Just from a technical aspect of like all the mechanical details that are just hidden in the bot, just really admire it. Uh, and I don't know, I think it would be really entertaining. Uh, another question, kind of in the same vein as the as the first one um, and the second one, that uh, comes from Robo Mouse's builder Keith, who wants to know which bot in the champions bracket right now would give you the most trouble: Tombstone, Ribot, Hypershock, Endgame, or Tantrum? I mean. I think it'd be endgame just like we can't move the only thing we can like the what 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 would hurt us the most is a robot that can get under us because if a robot can get under us all the all the not being able to drive is is worthless uh like being low doesn't matter if they're lower and so they could literally hit us anywhere and we'd lose and we can only basically like the old, the most maneuver we can be is turn. Uh, I mean, actually, in the the last couple of matches, uh, we were working a bit better because uh, we took off the forks. But realistically, there there's patches where we get stuck, and 
any robot that can get under us can really take advantage of that. Mad Catter driver Calvin Eba asks, what's your favorite small bot competition you've been to? I think I have two answers for this one. One is just Martin Mason's SoCal events. Uh, that's where I ran like my first 15 pound robots. And that's where I first let people from like actually uh, who in like the combat robotics community. It was great to meet all of them and learn from them and uh, got to learn a lot from the robots. I remember Calvin Eba showing us like links when it was like, it's either the second or third competition and being like, wow, this is a great engineering, like an amazingly engineered robot. Uh, and then second one is one uh, obligatory answer is the, the Sacramento bot battles is the, the 15 pound competition that my team helped set up. Uh, and it's been great to see that one grow. It's awesome. And then, of course, uh, last question here for me, Sawblaze Captain Jameson Go has a key question. When are you coming back to Norwalk? Or when are you coming to Norwalk? We'll see. We'll see. It might not be me individually, uh, but uh, there's a lot of people on the team that really want to make a robot for it, and we'd love to support them and be there. Awesome. All right, so now I am going to take over and... Uh, dive into some of the listener questions from Facebook. Believe it or not, all of the questions that we've gone through have just been from Discord. So uh, I can't even begin to say how many questions you got. People are such fans. Um, all right. So let's start with a series of good questions from BattleBot superfan Alexander Archer. How does it feel to genuinely shock the BattleBots community by doing incredibly well across the 2021 season in BattleBots Champions as an undefeated rookie that took down some of the biggest names in BattleBots history? How does it feel? I mean, we were just shocked ourselves. There's every everything that every every feeling that everyone saw like watching that and being shocked. We we felt it just as well we had probably less confidence than uh, anyone had like anyone has had going into our fights uh i mean i like i saw people like before the fights just a small percentage saying that they thought that glitch would win and i'm like no are you insane why would you think that I, like even knowing what happens i'm like why would you think that we would win like the, the drive <laughs> is like terrible it's it's not moving uh and uh, so yeah, we we were we were just shocked as well. I mean, you could you could see the genuine looks of shock on all of your faces during each interview, especially in you know the the championship rounds, um, or you know champion champions round. Um, it was it was really fun because I think each time like the level of shock increased a little bit more and a little bit more. Um, and it was funny watching uh, Kenny interact with you guys. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think you might have gotten a little frustrated with just the shock and like like I'm trying to I'm trying to get you to answer interviews and I'm just like I don't know what just happened. Why, why are you asking me? <laughs> Where am I? <laughs> um all right, so Alexander's next question is how long after your heartbreaking withdrawal from the round of thirty-two did it take you guys to fix Glitch's primary weapon issues in time for the rotator Sin City Slugfest bracket? Uh we 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 took like around two days. Uh the change was actually more like half an hour to actually an hour. Uh, 
if we were if we were super quick with it uh just because like we had the one robot working as long as we moved the electrical harness back uh and so we could do that pretty quick but what we instead we tried to get the weapon working at the the faster rpm so we got a lot of help from teams we tried to get our encoders working and just with the time frame that we had we just couldn't do it and so we swapped both robots to be the slower speed uh and from there, I think we were actually surprisingly mostly on time for our fights, which was pretty, pretty, a pretty high step up from before. <laughs> um, um, so why does Glitch always seem to have issues just moving in the battle box, unlike Shatter, the only other bot that uses Omni wheels currently? All right. So Shatter has an incredible drive. Uh, there's couple characteristics about mechanics that are better for just moving straight uh and other than that it's i'd say it's more issues just in general with our drive not being built in the most perfect way uh one is just the first match was ground clearance and stuff getting stuck on the magnets uh other than that, uh, I think long forks in our retrograde fight hurt. Uh, long forks and gruff hurt. Uh, not having magnets and gruff hurt. Post Kraken having all of our magnets cracked hurt. Having electronics settings issues where our motors sometimes when it start hurt. And I don't know, am I missing anything? Oh yeah, there's we had we were way too front heavy which Hammer, obviously, is significantly easier to do that with uh, than having a big heavy spinner at the front. And then final thing was just imbalances of weights on wheels. So if we have more weight on our left side of our drive, then we start to rotate, uh, even if we're trying to move forward. And so that's that's something it like driving basically becomes a suggestion. Uh, if like if you do forward, it's a chance of is there the correct weights on these wheels to move forward? And if it's not, then it will turn around. Uh, I think you might notice in a couple of our fights, we start off moving really fast forward, and then we do a 180, and that is just there's a bump or a seam or something, and so all of a sudden one side of the drive is lifted up, and then the other side just turns it around. And so that is completely unintentional and really our driver did an amazing job with what he had uh, and compensating with all the issues. I mean, you made it work. <laughs> um, so Alexander uh, pitches a, a hard hitting question, I would say. Um, do you think Glitch has earned its status as a top tier bot? Or was it just lucky, no pun intended, it performed well, or a combination of both? I mean, obviously there's luck, I think. Can't say there's not luck, but I don't know. I mean, we won the matches, so I guess there's that. Uh, and won, won seven of them. So there's obviously something that's happening, right? Uh, probably, I think, the armor deflecting stuff and the being able to pivot into hits because uh, because of the Omni wheels are like kind of shaped in like the, they're like oriented kind of like in a circle. So we could turn well uh, and the weapon hit a heart. So there are obviously some components that were working well 
to be able to do damage. Uh, and obviously some that weren't, that makes it that, yeah, that we, that we had a lot of luck to be able to have the positive parts still, still outweigh the, the negative parts. Uh, yeah, I would say combination, lots of luck. I mean, I, I would, you know, venture to say that there's a, it's a combination for basically any bot out there. There's always, I think a little bit of luck involved, but, um, I mean, some of your, your, you know, victories were so decisive that I think, uh, you know, it, it, it goes beyond luck at that point. I mean, what happened, what you did to rotator wasn't just lucky, you know, like that was, that was pretty incredible, um so yeah i mean i think uh i think that that speaks for itself um and uh so alexander wraps up by saying whatever happens in the golden bolt tournament you guys should be very proud of yourselves for the hard work you guys put into building glitch a rookie bot that somehow became undefeated in its first ever battle bots appearance good luck thank you so much i appreciate that (laughs) all right a a key question here Oops, sorry, go for I have it. A, I, have a, I have another note on like the, the luck type of thing. And I think, I don't know, the way I view cover robotics is kind of it's like a game of chances and you do everything possible to improve your chances, but it's still never going to be 100%. I mean, like when Tombstone lost the bombshell, just there are things that can happen and you try to do your best to make those things happen, like not happen. Uh, and I think we had maybe less is a less of a chance of winning each time and so that compounded uh was a lot of luck for us but obviously we had enough enough of a chance to be able to make it as far as we did love it love it statistics (laughs) (laughs) all right so we have a key question from jesse mollin at this point in the competition, you're still facing four fights to the Golden Bolt against the best of the best. You're a first-year team. Already, your pit preparation and spares were stretched thin in the round of 32. So uh, at this point, what is your capability to actually deliver a fully functioning glitch to each of your next fights? And I guess, uh, you know, answer this as as if you don't already know what happened. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so... We were actually pretty prepared for our, our, our next fight. So we had, we didn't have a spare problems except for those very, very small armor plates in the front middle that got knocked off and we, we couldn't find. Uh, but other than that, we had uh, pretty much two bots ready to go. We were more prepared than we were ever before. And yeah, I would say we were actually significantly ready before our next opponent, which was a first uh yeah we we were ready to go heck yeah all right um so we have a a good question here from chris horry what do those little tails at the back of the bot do uh so they were aesthetic and we (laughs) took them off because they got stuck in the wall and obviously i mean once once they once they start like potentially losing a match you don't want to have the pretty pretty thing in there uh yeah um, that was the end of them those aren't coming back (laughs) r.i.p little tails 
Um, all right, we have another eagle-eyed viewer, Andrew Freitag, writes, What was the thought process behind the little pointed wedge in front of the beater? When I first saw the reveal of the bot, that was mainly what stuck out to me as an interesting design concept. Yeah, so that was our intended to be against drums and like big horizontal spinners. Uh, it was extended significantly farther out than we wanted it to be. Uh, originally, kind of the intention was to have the point like just in front of the beater. Uh, but we, in order to fit our drive motors, we kind of had to push our wheels out. Uh, and so pushing the wheels out meant that the entire wedge went out. And so the wedge was sticking in front of the weapon and we couldn't move the weapon farther forward at that point because our center of mass was already bad enough as it is. And so, yeah, it wasn't ideal. It definitely probably... Well, we, we don't, don't intend to run it again, even though it's definitely the prettier option uh, until we maybe change something about our drive gearboxes. Like if we had 90 degree gearboxes where our motor goes off to the side rather than straight behind the motor, we could potentially have those wheels closer to the weapon rails and then have the armor closer to the weapon and then be able to have that wedge again. But I don't know. It was just sticking out way too far forward. I did notice a lot of people seem to think it would push robots to the side, uh, but that, that that wasn't why we didn't use it. Uh, just because of the momentum of the robots, they'll they'll go up rather than going to the side. Uh, it's just way too far sticking out to be extremely durable against hard hitters. So why would we run that when we could just have the have the hard hitters hit our weapon instead? Yeah, I mean, you know it works now, so why not? Um, all right, so Mario Cast writes, congrats, Team Glitch. Though you're rookies at BattleBots, it seems like your entire team has a lot of build and combat experience. We actually have about... what? How do we do math here? We have about 0.1 robots per person on the team that we have previously made. So... I don't, I don't, I want to say we have a significant amount of combat robotics experiences. It's pretty just me and our electronics re, electronics lead, Roy, that we're on the same high school team that made two, like we both made two robots each. And other than that, it was all, it was all either VEX or FRC people who have, or people who have no robotics experience, uh, just who joined, yeah, decided to go for it. What types of brushless motors are being used? It appears the motors are the same for your drivetrain and weapon. Uh, and he says, good luck with a little cowboy hat emoji, the Texas flag, and a trophy. <laughs> yeah, so we have Scorpion Outrunner motors, uh, both for the weapon and the drive. The drive, uh, we picked motors. They were they, they, That brand had pretty much the only motors that had an outer diameter that was the size we wanted. Uh, most of them are are pretty, are all the same interval, uh, same step up. But the Scorpion had something that was in the middle, and basically we wanted something that was within the diameter of our gearbox, so we could make the frame as thin as possible, uh, without going overly small and less power. Uh, and then the Scorpion ones, we just saw like I think it was pretty much just the. We saw Minotaur had a similar K weapon that we wanted to have, and so we knew that they worked for that. 
Nice. Nice. All right. So Stephen Eager has a question about Ominous. Since they were supposed to compete the last two years before you guys and had to drop out both times, have you received any feedback from the Dutch team Ominous at all besides the obvious, darn it, we were supposed to be the first vertical spinner with Omnidrive at BattleBots? Uh, and do you expect a grudge match with Ominous next year? I don't know. Uh, I'm not sure if BattleBots would want us to be in the same match together because the robots are fairly similar and they, they tend to avoid that. Uh, but it was, I don't know, it was kind of funny. When we were first pitching the robot to Greg Matson, like the BattleBots producer, he responded by showing us a clip of Ominous. And so we're like, okay, we can't just be a vertical spinner with Omni wheels. We have to do more. Uh, and so we, we added the LEDs and added the vision and then we didn't use those. So <laughs> I guess it, it was enough. Uh, and yeah, it, it'd be awesome to go up against them. I, I, I think, I think they, I've seen someone maybe comment on a Facebook post that I'm not really sure. I can't, we, we haven't really had much direct contact with them, but I've seen Ominous in action at one of the UK events and it was, it was awesome to see a vertical spinner doing what we were trying to do, uh, and circle around opponent while facing them. And, actually you know drive yeah that's that's really awesome um so elaine milton asks how difficult are the omni wheels to drive what would you say is the percentage between the floor being a problem to your low slung design and the omni wheels i i think at at a certain point it wasn't the floor um because i don't know the the, very first first match with ghost raptor we had our wedge on the floor uh, and that was a problem. Uh, and we were overall low to the ground, so uh, we got high centered occasionally. Uh, in the in the upper cup fight, there's a a deep six crater where uh, the the floor was kind of dented downward, and we got we got high centered on that. I think just as the countdown happened, we were able to free ourselves. But after after the first match, and other than the big huge. Uh, thing in the floor uh i don't i don't think it was very much uh, a clearance issue at that point it was all of the other traction and electronics and magnet issues yeah i think uh i think that makes sense um so we have a just two more questions here one is from heather stringfellow did you ever actually get any sleep at any point during filming yes we slept about, I don't know, four to six hours a night, oh. and that's more than zero. <laughs> <laughs> more than zero, so that it, it counts. We did, we did physically close our eyes and wake up at some point later. I mean, uh, at a certain, it was point, not enough. No, <laughs> but we did it. I imagine it's somewhat like cramming for finals, except a lot more physically demanding, and uh, you're going to be on television. <laughs> yes. Yes, yeah, answering questions. Yeah. Uh, it, was, it was so great uh, not being able to form thoughts in my head, but having to answer interviews. Uh, yeah, it was, it was, I don't know, like three weeks long doing that pretty much. We, the BattleBots pits opened at 8 a.m. and closed at 12. Uh, so we pretty much there were there the entire time. Uh, so 12 isn't like midnight. Uh, and then uh, we, 
I don't want to be boring, so we did stuff outside the event too. We also had to bring Glitch back. To, we brought Glitch back to the hotel once, so that that took a couple hours away from sleep. But we got food because we were very hungry because we were working the entire day. How, so that took away sleep. How do you sneak uh, in a heavyweight robot into a hotel? <laughs> we didn't sneak it in. We just we just moved it in. It was fine. Uh, it was very difficult getting in the door, but it worked. We we had to hold it vertically, but oh boy, got it in. <laughs> um, all right, I have a question myself before we get into the last one. Um, I mean, you know, there are so many people that listen to this podcast who have come up to us and have said, you know, I. I wasn't a builder before, but after listening to everyone share their stories and, you know, sometimes even just watching Norwalk or, or whatever the case may be, you know, people have been inspired to start building their own robots for the first time. Um, so, you know, you and your team as rookie builders just, I think, like, were a very inspirational story for all the people out there who envision themselves wanting to do this. Do you have any advice for any first time builders who are thinking about getting into the sport, maybe have already gotten to the sport um, and are still finding their way? Do you have any advice to share with them? Yeah, I would say first off, they're on the, the right track if they're listening to the podcast and like learning more and uh, that's that's really what you have to do is just be a sponge and try to absorb all the information you can from everyone. Because uh, more information you have, then you can start seeing the different opinions that people have and form thoughts on what you should build for your robot. And uh, that's really what it's all about is just learning and then building the robot and making mistakes and learning from that uh, and building another robot and making mistakes and learning from that and so on and so on until your robot does whatever you want it to do or not. And you just have fun going along the way. <laughs> <laughs> or not. And you just dress up like a different character and pretend yeah. like someone else. <laughs> Looking at you, Clyde Magnuson. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> All right. Um, so let's end the interview with a final question from data collector builder slash blood sport team member, Pearl Gray, who asks, and now this is kind of a riff on Kyle's question um, earlier about energy drinks. So let's zoom out a little bit, maybe not specifically the one you're drinking during the show, but what is your energy drink of choice and what size can see what they did there? <laughs> I, I don't drink energy drinks other than when I was at Battle Bus, which probably recommend that anyone do the same. Uh, sorry, <laughs> sorry, all Kyles out there. Uh, but I don't know. For Tess, I drink Starbucks mochas because they taste good and is the right amount of caffeine, which not energy drinks, not even real coffee, just sugar. <laughs> 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 I love it. I love it. I've been informed that I have the wrong name for what I drink. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that, that's how little I drink it is. I don't even know what it is. Wow. Good, you know, good for you. Coffee is a slippery slope. Uh, I'm fully on the slope. So uh, yeah, just drink it as you enjoy it. Don't, don't rely on it. Uh, but 
Cool. Well, thank you so much for talking with us, Kyle. It's been such a blast watching Glitch just dominate its way through the bracket. We cannot wait to see Glitch in the battle box again soon. So thanks again so much for talking with us. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on. It's it's been a blast. And I want to use the word dominant just to be clear. Three judges' decisions. (laughs) Four total. After the break, we'll return with this week's installment of Robots Around the World. Welcome back from the break. Time for Robots Around the World. This week, we're traveling to Mexico City, where researchers at the country's National Autonomous University are building tiny robots they plan to send to the moon. The robots weigh just two ounces each and can fit in the palm of your hand. Their goal will be to navigate across the moon's surface, taking samples of lunar rocks and dust. They'll hitch a ride on the Peregrine, a commercial commercial spacecraft that is expected to launch from Cape Canaveral by the end of the year. Now, this this is a really cool story. Not necessarily creepy or dystopian in uh, the way we normally cover these, um, but I really like to imagine the moon just having these like two ounce little tiny robots crawling around the surface like like little bugs. That's pretty cute to me. This is a very interesting robot around the world because it's not on our world. Ooh, robots around the universe. Robots in space. <laughs> I love it. What do you think? Uh, what do you think they'll be able to to do research wise with these that they wouldn't be able to do with big old robots? It gives something that um, the robots that we'll send to the moon in 150 years need trash to pick up. <laughs> So we got to start populating the moon now with debris. <laughs> uh, Oddly enough, you'd think already there'd be tons of debris on the moon because it's made of cheese. <laughs> De- debris. Brie? Get it? De- it's a soft yeah. cheese. Yeah. 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 Works yeah. great in a bake with fruit or prosciutto. Yeah. The CDC says you can't eat it when you're pregnant. It's a whole thing. Oh, is that for real? Yeah, that's for real. Man, that's sad. No <laughs> wine, no brie, no sushi. CDC also says you can't go to the moon when you're pregnant. So, I mean, who listens to them anyway? <laughs> How else are we going to populate the moon? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I think this thing could fight in an ant weight competition. I would be surprised if it didn't fight in an weight competition, but maybe it's geared towards working in lighter, like lighter uh, gravity environments or lower gravity environments. What is it? Six- you put a small balloon on it. Oh, there you go. There you go. Hook them up with the milk tank, folks. Ooh. You know, they could definitely put these in as the mini bots. I want to see that. Question. If I want to enter a... Uh, a 50-pound robot into the 31-pound weight class, can I just introduce a, a a weather balloon that can hold 20 pounds and it would technically be 30 pounds? Like that episode of Nathan for you? Right. <laughs> 
to allow uh, people built like myself to ride horses <laughs> without over encumbering said horses. I like where your head's at. Mm-hmm. I can see this working. Well, we're going to have to ask Austin about that. Um, I got too many robot ideas floating around now. Well, that's about it for us today. We want to thank Nicole for doing such an awesome job editing this week's episode. We love you, Nicole. And we'll be back in your feed next week with another mystery guest. We'll see you then, folks. I just want to say Nicole has been editing with us for a whole year. We could not do it without you. Thank you, Nicole. Thank you, Nicole. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. There once was a bot who's from the sea. The name of the bot was the Kraken of Teach. The lights went up, the buzzer sounds of oh my scaly girl go. Soon may the spinnerman come to knock her teeth right from her gums. One day when the fighting is done, she'll take her teeth and go. She'd not been two weeks from shore When out did come her metal jaw The captain called all hands and swore He'd take that spinner in tow <gasps> Soon may the spinner man come To knock her teeth right from her gums One day when the fighting is done She'll take her teeth and go